Question to the Prime Minister, Ronnie Campbell. I've been asked to reply. My right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, is today at the European Council. He'll make a statement to the House on his return. Ronnie Campbell, can I ask the, the Leader of the House, uh, who's obviously sitting in Superman's seat, uh, can I, uh, yes. can I uh, ask her if she could uh, look at the small business uh, sector? I had a one in my constituency last week, uh, Northumberland Jewellers, has five workers, and he has to lay two or three off, or he's thinking about laying two or three off. Can this government do anything for these small businesses? It's because of the importance of small business in our economy and particularly the importance of small businesses as employers and their impact on jobs that we're going to do everything we can to support small businesses through what is undoubtedly a difficult time. Uh, One of the actions we're taking is to make sure that government and government agencies pay their bills earlier. So we're cutting down the time that it takes government to pay their bills from 30 days uh, to 10 days. Uh, We want to make sure that we back small businesses up with more help for the European Investment Bank. One of the main reasons why we've been stabilising the banking system and indeed buying shares in the banks is to make sure that they start lending again to small businesses at reasonable rates. We'll do whatever it takes to back up our small business sector. On the day we discover that unemployment has risen by 164,000, the largest rise in 17 years. It is, of course, it is a grim day for the British economy and a time of anxiety for many families, as people, I think this week, in all parts of the House will acknowledge. And given that many companies have been hit by the credit problems, as the Honourable Member has just uh, mentioned, and that if they can be given some breathing space, job losses can be reduced, will the Government now reform the insolvency laws along the lines that we have proposed? We already um, changed the insolvency provisions for businesses in the Enterprise Act in 2003, so we've already taken action on that. And as far as unemployment is concerned, yes, we are very very much concerned about unemployment and we are not complacent at all about the situation despite the fact that unemployment is considerably lower than what it was in 1997 and there's two issues I'd like to uh, point out to the House today. Firstly, firstly, that we're announcing £100 million extra to help those people who lose their jobs to retrain and get the skills they need for new jobs. There are still, still 600,000 jobs in the economy and we need to help people who lose their jobs. There are still 600,000 vacancies in the economy and we want to help people who lose their job gets new jobs and there will be extra help for those too who become unemployed who are homeowners instead of having to wait 39 weeks before they get help to pay their mortgage there will be help for them to pay their mortgage after they become unemployed after 13 weeks uh, well mr speaker will she acknowledge that statements about 1997 may now be complacent given the forecast of capital economics this morning that says we now expect unemployment to rise to 3 million by the end of 2010, exceeding the rise in the early 1990s. Uh, And will she also acknowledge that the £100 million programme announced by the government this morning 
is spread over three years, 33 million a year. That amounts to 18 pounds per year for each unemployed person. And that, that money is already coming, it has already been allocated to the skills budget and has already been announced. So wouldn't it be a good idea? be a good idea uh, to adopt the proposal that we have made that the Federation of Small Businesses says uh, would be a proposal that would save thousands of jobs from going under. As I've said, we've already made the changes in insolvency in the 2003 Enterprise Act, and we are not complacent about the situation in the economy. We have made no bones about the fact that our economy faces hard times, but nor should he write our economy off. Yeah. Our, economy, our economy is made of sterner stuff. And the Chancellor and the Prime Minister have said that we will take every action we can, not only to stabilise our economy nationally, but to work internationally with other governments to stabilise the global system. And that's why the Prime Minister is not here today. Uh, no, we understand why he's not here today, Mrs. Bian. I'm glad she is not complacent because she wrote in her blog in February that people know that there is global financial turbulence but are not worried about their own prospects in 2008. And perhaps she will now acknowledge that that is no longer the situation. Uh, but may I ask her, if she won't take the measures on insolvency that we have proposed, I want to ask her about another group of people who have been hit in recent days by the, by the economic uh, crisis, people who have retired from their jobs. Uh, one such group are pensioners forced to buy an annuity on reaching retirement or at age 75, who will be locked into a lower income for the rest of their life. Last week we proposed suspending the rule on this, and ministers did say they were looking at the proposal. Can she now cut through the delay, announce a decision by the government, and say the government will suspend this rule, helping the incomes of thousands of pensioners into the future? Um, he mentioned my blog earlier this year, and whilst it's true that the global seeds of this problem with the increase in oil prices and food prices, as well as financial instability, uh, have been uh, coming over a period of time, I think the impact on family finances, on businesses and jobs have been sudden in their impact, not only in this country and around the world. He's mentioned the question of pensioners, and yes, we are concerned about pensioners. I think that pensioners particularly feel the effect of the fuel increases, and that's why we've increased the winter fuel payment. There are, as he says, albeit a small number of people, but it is important, the question of the impact on people who have to buy their annuities within a certain period of time. I know this is something the Treasury is aware of, and I know that the DWP is talking to them about this issue. But the most important thing is that we stabilise the markets and shares can continue to be steady and their value grow. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad she acknowledges the importance of this issue about pensions, but it's all very well being concerned about it and looking at it. Haven't the events of recent times show, shown that swiftness in decision-making is at a premium? And so will she undertake to go back with the, her colleagues from the Treasury this afternoon? And, in, and since it was at the top of our concerns, as she herself said only last Thursday, and that many pensioners will be worried about that, will she sort this out today with her colleagues so that they can come back to the House during this week and say that that rule is suspended? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think that the Prime Minister or my colleagues in the Treasury um, need any advice from me on this point, nor, I might suggest, do they probably need... 
I think they probably need any advice from him, and he can, he can rest assured that they will act not only swiftly, but sure-footedly. There is a serious situation across the board, whether it's jobs, small businesses, the housing market, charities, local government, and we're determined to take the action that's necessary, not only nationally, but internationally, to see this country through. Well, we look forward to the action, uh, Mr. Speaker. And may I ask her, may I, may I ask her, instead of concern and talking, which is all we've had so far at question time uh, today, small businesses and pensioners are two of the casualties of an economy that was built on debt. So what exactly does the government mean when it says it is insisting that institutions being bailed out will maintain borrowing at 2007 levels? the year at the height of the boom that's turned to bust. Isn't that irresponsible? And isn't that why the uh, Baroness Vadira in the other place uh, said there's no requirement for banks to lend forcibly, while the Chancellor was saying they would maintain lending at the 2007 levels? So who is speaking for the government, and what is the policy of the government on the lending of those banks? Let, let me explain to uh, the honourable gentleman, um, the right honourable gentleman in the House. I think having um, ensured that money goes in via the Bank of England to uh, make sure that there's extra liquidity available, having ensured that we make uh, loans available on a guaranteed basis at commercial rates, having, uh, made our, having made provision for buying shares, we want to make sure that after this government action, that actually, instead of the banks just sitting on the capital, they actually lend it to small businesses and homeowners. What would be the point of this government action if it doesn't make a difference to people who are feeling the pressure of the global credit crunch? So what has been written into the agreement with the banks in which we've taken shares is that they should, at reasonable rates, re-establish credit lines to the housing market and to small businesses. And when it comes to government debt, which he also mentioned, I do not regret and we do not resolve for one minute the investment in our schools and the public investment in our hospitals. But over the last 11 years, in the, over the last 11 years, whilst we were also investing in hospitals and schools, we were also paying off government debt. So it was in 1997, uh, public debt as a share of GDP was 43% and we reduced it to 37%. We are now in a position to allow government debt to rise in order that we should back up the economy in the way that's necessary. And on Monday, his party backed the measures we took to help get the financial services working properly. It's a shame he doesn't back the means to that end. Well, Mr. Speaker, of course we have backed the, um, of course we have backed the measures, but the government are no longer are no longer in a position to boast about the economic record. When taxes have risen by more than £5,000 for every family in the country since 1997, when the World Economic Forum says 104 other countries are better prepared for the economic downturn, when debt has risen remorselessly, unemployment is rising at the fastest rate for 17 years, inflation has trebled compared to 1997. Against that background, isn't it time to acknowledge that the claim to have abolished boom and bust was one of the most foolish, one of the most hubristic, one of the most irresponsible claims ever made by a British Prime Minister. Yeah.
I think that this is a, a serious moment for the economy and does, and does, and does, require, does require serious action from government. But he should not write Britain off or compare us. unfavourably with other countries. The Prime Minister will take action to protect this economy and he will also work with the other European countries to make sure that international action is taken. And you could possibly say that in that respect uh, he's a man with a plan. Tom Harris. Thank you, Mr Speaker. 55,000 55, members of RAF Bomber Command lost their lives in World War II. And yet today there is still no national memorial paying tribute to the sacrifice that those brave men and women made in defence of our nation. Can I ask my right honourable friend if she will join me in supporting the, the RAF Bomber Command Memorial Fund as it seeks to raise two and a half million pounds for such a memorial and will she ensure that the Minister of Defence um, consult the, the memorial fund properly before finally deciding on allocation for such a memorial? I will make sure that the Ministry of Defence uh, thinks very carefully on, about this and looks favourably on it, um, and I can give him that assurance. We have to make sure that we recognise and continue to pay tribute to those uh, like the 55,000 that he mentions who have paid with their lives for this country. Mr Speaker, how really prepared is the Government to deal with hundreds of thousands of people now losing their jobs? when it's just completed a massive cut in the staff of benefit offices and job centres. And while the two measures she's announced today are very welcome, can she give us an absolute assurance that those people going to the services, looking for financial help and emergency loans, not waiting 13 weeks, that they will be dealt with promptly, efficiently and sympathetically, as the bankers were this week in their hour of need? I think uh, the honourable gentleman is absolutely right and the reason why the action was taken in respect of the banks was not just for the sake of the bankers, although the financial services industry is a large and important employer, but the reason why that action was taken is so that we can get the credit flowing back into small businesses and back into the housing market. And he asked a very important question about the services and support that will be provided to people, not just talked about, but actually will be provided to people when they face the awful prospect of having lost their job. And I would say that there is improved and increased services for each individual coming from the Department of Work and Pensions, not just from the very important work in Job Centre Plus, but also in the private and voluntary organisations who work alongside people who've lost their jobs to make sure that they've got the skills and the confidence to get their next job. And there are 600,000 vacancies in the economy. We are not complacent about today's job figures. They are definitely very concerning, but there are still 600,000 vacancies in the economy. Well, I welcome the, the latter comments, but I, I get a sense that the Minister doesn't realise that there is a very real emergency. And because there is a very, because there is a very real emergency, what, 
because there's a very real emergency, why does the government and also the Conservatives insist on this absurd monastic vow of silence never even to talk about interest rates when there are millions of people out there worrying about their homes and their businesses <laughs> clamouring for a deep cut in interest rates to prevent this recession turning into a deep slump? I don't accept his assertion um, about the government's unpreparedness. Uh, the government has been working for a number of weeks to ensure that we could take action to stabilise uh, the banking system, and that's what was announced to the House on Monday. And the purpose of that was to ensure that money is lent into small businesses so that small businesses can continue uh, to uh, flourish and pay the, play the part they play in the economy and continue to em employ people. I don't really know what he's talking about in relation to interest rates. There was a... <laughs> interest rate cut last week and it was coordinated with other central banks across Europe and in America. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, many of my constituents are very grateful for the decisive action taken by the UK government on the collapse of the Icelandic banks. But what will the government do for those charities that have their funds in Icelandic banks? Will they protect those funds? Because my constituents very much depend on those charities who protect the most vulnerable in our society. And my constituents need the support from those charities in these difficult times. I think my honourable friend makes a very important point, and I think all members of the House are concerned about charities. Um, and the effect of the Icelandic financial services industry collapse on them. Um, small charities uh, will get the same protection as individuals. They'll get 100% protection for their deposits. As far as larger charities are concerned, we're taking steps to protect them by freezing the assets of the Icelandic banks, by lending £100 million whilst the unfreezing of those assets is sorted out. Treasury officials have been sent to Reykjavik to try uh, and ensure that the situation is resolved. The Minister for the Cabinet Office has met the leaders of the charitable sector. He's made a written statement and will keep the House updated. David Boros. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Given the uh, bailout of uh, depositors in Icelandic banks, will the government now compensate Equitable Life policyholders? The action that we've taken in relation to the financial services system has not just been to protect individuals, important though that is, but also to ensure that there is not a whole-scale loss of confidence in the whole banking system. So what we've been concerned to address is individual loss, but also systemic failure. Thank you, Mr Speaker. My rational friend must be aware that the biggest concern amongst families, pensioners and businesses is about how they are going to pay their fuel bills. I wonder what we can do and what good offices she could use to ensure that we sit down the greedy energy companies with those immoral profits and definitely obscene earnings that are being given. What can we do to bring the prices down to ensure that those families can pay the bills this Christmas? As we know, we have taken measures for the longer term, but what can we do in the short term to help them? Take them over. 
Uh, my honourable right friend is right that we need action not only by the government, and the government is taking that action, but also action by the energy companies. And he's also right that increased fuel bills hit hardest at those who can least afford it. We are taking action. As he'll know, we've increased the winter fuel allowance for pensioners. We've set up a home insulation package. We expect to see the fall in prices in oil to actually feed through into gas and electricity. And whilst the government will play its part, we know that the eyes of everyone in this House, as well as the government, will be on the energy companies to make sure they play their part too. Just as the Chancellor changed the regulatory framework of the banks when he came into office, which contributes to this crisis, the government's... The government's regulatory oversight of equitable life has been seen as partly responsible for the circumstances that many constituents of everyone in this House now find themselves in. What are the government going to do about equitable life? I think it's quite wrong for the honourable member to say that the government must take responsibility for a financial banking system crisis whose origins was clearly global and whose impact has been global. And as far as regulation of the financial industry is concerned, uh, he might remember that there were seven regulators before we set up the Financial Services Authority, and it was very important as part of improving regulation to bring them all into one regulatory body the Financial Services Authority. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Is my right honourable friend aware that the 2009 European Interparliamentary Space Committee will be held in this Parliament next autumn? Will the Leader support this unique showcase of being able to showcase Britain's iGrowth, iTech, space industry? And critically, that at next next month's European Space Agency meeting, she will support the UK Government's uh, stance in seeking the efforts of space in the UK to battle the climate change agenda and also the reduction of poverty in Africa. I think that, I think that my honourable friend makes an important point. The space industry is important and it's an industry which is in the foremost of a science and scientific jobs. And I wish them success for their conference and perhaps I could uh, express the hope that the summit will boldly go where no summit was previously gone. Mr Speaker, many of my constituents at Bradford and Bingley and at other local businesses face a very, very uncertain future. Given that the Prime Minister egged on the housing bubble and the economic bubble by claiming by claiming he'd ended personally boom and bust, and given that it was his tripartite system of regulation that failed so spectacularly, will the government take any responsibility for the economic problems my constituents are facing? I do not not accept that the economic crisis which has currently hit this country is the responsibility of the one million extra homeowners in this country. I do not accept that for a moment. And he should recognise that the economic circumstances that face this country, although they are national in their impact, are global in their origin. Jim Devine. Thank you, Mr Speaker. As my right honourable friend knows, the minimum wage rose to £5.73 on the 1st of October. How many people will benefit throughout the United Kingdom for this increase? Another great achievement by this Labour government. Yeah, yeah. 
and that's my honourable friend aware that on the day that the bill became law, the SNP did not turn up Well, I welcome him drawing the attention of the House to the national minimum wage um, increasing this month, month, and I understand that there's something like 90,000 people in Scotland who, as a result of the rise this month, will see their pay go up. Uh, the minimum wage is important for Northern Ireland, for Scotland, for Wales, and the whole of England, and we have no intention of letting it wither it away. But when but when it comes to difficult economic times, those on low incomes will get help, and I think we can expect on those on highest incomes to show restraint. Thank you, Campbell. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, we are undoubtedly facing uncertain times right across the United Kingdom. Would my right honourable friend agree with me, my colleagues, and many people in Northern Ireland that the additional problem that we face is that under the devolutionary arrangement that we currently have, Many departments have packages in place that will help people through the problems that we face over the winter and the next year, but are being blocked from doing so because of the activities of Sinn Féin. My right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, reminds me that the executive needs to meet and devolution of policing uh, needs to uh, take part as well. Uh, If I could say that the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland is a member of the uh, National Economic Council and therefore the question of the economic impact on Northern Ireland is very much in the Government's mind. Can my right honourable friend give uh, an assurance that uh, the money that has been invested in the banks will not be at the expense of investment in public services. People like pensioners, parents with children in schools, patients of the NHS and public sector workers will be concerned that the money that we have invested to rescue the country from the excesses of the masters of the universe will not come at the expense of those services. Can she give that assurance? I can give that assurance. I can give that assurance that uh, the Prime Minister and the Chancellor have said that it's important that we carry on with crucial public investment and the uprating of benefits and pensions uh, will happen in the normal way. When when we hear that Northern Rock have passed on just one-tenth of last week's interest rate cuts onto its mortgage holders, does she not feel that we need more assurance to know that the billions that have been spent on the bank bailout will trickle down to where it's needed onto small businesses that want to borrow at affordable rates and to people who are worried about the roof over their head. I think the honourable gentleman is right to draw attention to the whole point of this government action uh, is not for its own sake but actually in the results that it will achieve and we are determined and indeed agreements have been entered into that credit shall start flowing again to small businesses and to the housing market in order that we can stabilise the economy uh, and see the economy through this difficult time. Thank you Mr Speaker. I concur with the sentiments of my honourable friend the member for Chorley in an earlier question. With electricity prices uh, reported to be four times higher in the United Kingdom than in France, and the impact this has on UK businesses, and in particular energy-intensive users, does my right honourable friend agree with me that one way to bring prices down is to increase capacity, and the best way to do that is to extend the lives of existing uh, uh, generators, including nuclear power, safe nuclear power generators? And will she urge her cabinet colleagues to do this to ease the burden on British business? 
Obviously, we do need to ease the burden on British business in the way that he described and also to assist them with energy conservation uh, and also step forward with the programme for investment in renewables. Madam Price. The Right Honourable Lady had the honesty uh, during her campaign for the Deputy Leadership of the Labour Party to admit that the Government had made a mistake over the war in Iraq. Does she, does she not think that the public are owed a similar apology over the failures in policy and the weakness in regulation that have contributed to the current economic crisis? Um, what we what we owe to the people in Iraq and the other countries along whom our soldiers are working alongside and to our armed forces are to work to ensure that we have stability and peace in Iraq uh, and they can take over their own security and policing as soon as possible and our troops can then come home. Mr Speaker. Whatever outrageous fortunes the global economy may blow our way, can my right honourable friend commit herself again to this government's aim of eradicating child poverty by 2020 and that that commitment will not be violated? We remain absolutely committed to eradicating child poverty and we hope that all sides of the House will not only support that commitment but support the measures necessary to achieve it. Order.